Hello and welcome to the How To Hobby Podcast with your hosts, John Power and Sean, the master of disaster, Bennett. I've said it before, he's back again, and he is ready to fill your minds with some amazing financial content. And Sean, this is part two of the financial saga. So <laughs> looks like we had our first mistake. Or we, we did our first uh, for the listeners out there. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I burn through a lot of, of content and every single podcast I've ever listened to has an episode where something went wrong. They didn't hit the record button or the, the mics didn't work. Everybody has an issue. So th this is us. We, uh, we have been here before we've recorded this episode, but it didn't quite work. So we're doing it again. So it's just, we were practicing. That's all it was. That's that's right. But just so you're all aware, we didn't forget to press record uh <laughs> for whatever reason the files just disappeared so I, yeah. I still don't know where they are i've searched high and low sean has gone all over the place he's he's looking out for them like a hawk like he does he watches all the comments it's not too much of a stretch for him to start looking for for files in the in the ether <laughs> of no, the internet i've looked i've looked everywhere so it's it's uh <laughs> it's it, it's all a process um it, it's it's learning it's what we say every time take chances make mistakes like this is we're just we're starting to cruise we're getting in a groove here and sometimes things just get wonky and you just gotta move you, it's, you, you just gotta roll with it and take move it as and it keep is. grooving exactly <laughs> move and keep grooving well so and this is a this is a special week, Sean, because we are here on the on on the parapet right before Thanksgiving. Yes, uh, we don't know what everybody's plans are, but we wish you a happy Thanksgiving week. We hope your bellies are full and you have <laughs> tons of of pumpkin pie. But Sean, I got a I got a load of question for you right off mm -hmm. the bat. What's Hit your me. what's your go to uh, Thanksgiving meal? Like like, what's the perfect meal for you? <laughs> Perfect meal for me. I'm not a huge turkey fan. I know that might be kind of controversial for some people. I'm not a big turkey fan. Uh, my family has always kind of done different meats. So some years we've done steaks, some years we do ham, uh, some years we may do pulled pork. Like we kind of do it different. Uh, I think this year we're going to end up rolling with uh, ham and uh, oh, uh, we're doing a ham. And then I think we're also doing a rump roast that's going to be roasted in the oven uh, for a few hours, kind of slow roasted uh, to kind of bring those juices out. And then uh, my, one of my favorite sizes is green bean casserole. It's I've, I, I have a soft spot for green bean casserole. And then most years we do some form of like sweet potato or yam, uh, you know, like the classic dish with the marshmallows and, and all that. Oh on yeah. Top. Oh yeah. We, we normally do that this year. We're not, um, we're trying to keep the sugar contents lower this year in our meals. So, uh, we, Wait, you're not uh, doing yams at all. We're doing, we're doing sweet potatoes cause they're a pretty oh, okay. good starch okay. for you, but instead yeah. of doing all the marshmallows and stuff, okay. uh, we, I, my mom found a recipe and I've tried it a couple of times of slicing. You take the, the sweet potato and you slice it kind of like you would for a scallop potato and then it's you, a, you it's a hassleback it. potato right it's it's yeah. the three quarters down and then you well then you we we actually like yeah we actually like slice it all the way through oh, and then you okay. essentially roast it in a pan with butter till it becomes this mash it's almost like mashed sweet potato but not like mat i, I don't know how to describe it's, it but it gets it's like, very good yeah. Like burnt flaky butter with the, the sugars from the, the sweet potatoes. It's a lot healthier, a lot less sugar content and really, really good. So like that's, those are my three staples. I have to have something other than Turkey, uh, screaming casserole and then some sweet potato. What about you? What, what is your classic family Thanksgiving? Oh, my, my classic family. Uh, I'm pretty standard. I like the sweet potato dish, uh, but just, cube no no marshmallows or anything like that we mm -hmm. always went kind of the standard uh natural sweet potato mix okay. um you know stuffing cranberries on the turkey um i i have been making pumpkin pies for the last couple of years and i have to say man it's great you make your own whipped cream <laughs> yep oh yep. man so that's what i'm gonna be doing tomorrow my wife's doing a uh green bean casserole and a berry pie Ooh. i'm doing a pumpkin pie and then i'm also doing the hassleback potatoes that's why i was i was leading you on i was <laughs> i was leading the the witness um 
but yeah, so that's, that's something I did last year and it came out real nice. It's super easy too. So you just kind of go for it. Um, and hopefully, yeah, everything goes, goes well this year. I mean, you never know, there could be some, it, when, when you try and put that stress on in the, in the kitchen, the day of it's like, phew, it's, watch it's, out. it's intense. And that, that's my always been, I think the hardest part of cooking is timing because anybody really can cook any one dish. If you just follow a recipe, you follow directions, you can pretty much do it, but it's the timing of knowing I have to start the potatoes here. So they come out hot when the Turkey's done. And then when those are, I have to make sure the stuffing comes out at the same time. And so you're kind of layering all of those on top. That I think is the biggest skill when it comes to being a good cook is managing multiple things at one time and timing them all. Cause that, and that's the hardest part for anybody. I think. Oh, I agree with you. That is the, the ultimate task, get the timing, right. The kitchen timing and, you know, use that microwave wisely is what I always say. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> so for all those listeners out here, welcome to the how to hobby podcast. This is, as I said, Sean and John, we're here once again, bringing you tonight, the financial episode. We've hinted at it in the past. We've recorded it. And that is gone with the wind, but you know what? We're here to do it again. It's going to be just as good. Sean's ready to bring you some amazing, amazing content tonight. But if you haven't check us out on Instagram, how to hobby podcast, we have a Twitter same thing, how to hobby podcast. And then our website is how to hobby podcast.com. So definitely uh, give us a follow on, on the Instagram or wherever you listen to your podcasts, Spotify. That's the, that's the one that I use. It's, it's great. But anyway, guys, we're going to jump into the content tonight, Sean, let's kind of bring the listeners in here. We're going to, we're going to really drop some knowledge tonight. I know you have a great story regarding your finances. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something that you've, you've kind of, we've both uh, been passionate about. It's another one of our major, major cornerstone hobbies because, well, if you don't get finances right today, it's, it's just not going to work. You're, you're no. going to be upside down. So, and funny enough, we were just talking before we started recording about some, some things that, that pop up as you get more into your, into your job. And, uh, you have to start thinking about medical premiums and how that's going <laughs> to take a cut out of your pay. Uh, and this is the, the time of year where everybody's thinking about that that's in the, well, that's in the, the main, the main jobs, the salaried positions. Um, but yeah, Sean, let's break it down. Kind of your process to becoming financially aware. Yes. And I think that'll be really nice for the listeners tonight. Yeah. So my journey is actually one that started recently. Um, I I'm, I'm turning 27 in January. So I'm, uh, create just passing that cusp with 26, 27. Um, this is my first year of having my own health insurance. Thank you, California for that 26 and having a bump off my parents and, um, no. and, and, and figuring all that out. And so the start of this year was a awakening for me. I really wanted to get myself in order. Um, I've always floated through life and looked at finances as a can just kicked down the road. I never really knew how to tackle it. I never knew where to start. And every time I tried, I couldn't figure it out. And then I would feel guilty for not figuring it out. And so I lived by the policy of I can charge my card and I, I feel that instant shame of, I know I should be figuring this out. I'm probably spending more than I actually should. Uh, but it's just too complicated. And I just don't want to, I don't want to take the time to figure it out. And so I spent years and years doing that. I paid off a car doing that. And looking back at my finances now, I don't know how I survived because I was hemorrhaging cash. <laughs> looking back at how much I was eating out, uh, getting coffees, doing, um, just like extraneous trips and stuff, uh, all, all while paying a car off. Like it was, it was, I look back and I'm glad I had a healthy savings account that allowed me to balance that out, um, for when I was in school. But I look back and I cringe at how much money I wasted in my early twenties. So my journey started from 
not, I, I cared, but I never cared enough to figure it out. And then I finally said, okay, enough is enough. I need to start getting this under control. I'm in my mid twenties. I need to start planning for buying a house and you start planning for a family, uh, for where I want to live, what kind of jobs I want. I have to get a grip on this now before it's too late. And so I started with a uh, Excel spreadsheet, uh, which we'll probably talk about today or in another <laughs> episode. Um, I have, I'm one of those guys that loves Excel and I, I track my expenses now down to the penny, which I know is a little much for a lot of people. Um, and then partnering with that Excel, the first place I started was actually a gift from a friend. Um, a friend of my mom's and a, a, a coworker and a very good friend uh, gifted me a book called I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And um, it's kind of the title sounds kind of gimmicky because as I will teach you to be rich, I feel like there's a billion health self-help books out there about how to be rich. And most of them are kind of like, just don't order as much coffee and you'll be rich. Well, you're, um, you're writing one now, right? What, what a self-help book. <laughs> self-help financial book. So like when I first thought I was like, okay, this is kind of gimmicky. And then you read, you get through it and it's a six week plan on how to get your finances in order, how to deal with credit cards, paying them down, getting fees waived, uh, setting up for investing. And that has really been the start of my journey was reading that book and then going, I'm going to sit down and figure this out. I'm going to start investing in my future. I'm going to start investing in my retirement and my home in everything that I want to do. And so for anybody out there who may be in that place of it's too complicated, or I just don't know how to do this, or you have that shame and that guilt of, I should have figured this out years ago. I'm, I'm upset that I don't have this figured out yet. Uh, so I'm just going to ignore it. I promise you the greatest thing you can do is just start today to start with something because in a year you'll be farther, way farther than you thought. Um, Look at me. I'm already given out. It's fine. <laughs> well, and, and so, yeah, let me, let me, let me, let me slow you, slow your roll here for a second, Sean. Cause I think the important thing when I listen to this and I listen to your story is probably the, the part where, you know, you explained it in the beginning, you're, you felt this guilt mm-hmm. with every transaction. And I, and honestly, I, I do feel like that is the, it can, there's something attached to that, that credit card. Uh, it can be exciting to pull it out. And, and get that little bit of, oh yeah, I got money for this. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I, you know, and, it, and, and it's very easy to let it kind of roll out of control. And we've talked about this, but, you know, depending on when you're paying it off and, and, and how you do it is gonna be unique to everybody. But the key is that you do it every month instead of letting the snowball grow bigger and bigger. Because I don't know about you, but every time I have a lot of unexpected fees on the credit card, Mm-hmm. I always am astounded by how large the bill gets. Yeah. And you it's you're like, oh, I only did one major purchase, but man, that really I felt it. Like once you really once everything is accumulated over that two weeks or a month. Um, but I think so. One thing I do kind of want to forgive me, Sean. I'm I'm really diving in here, but <laughs> do it. So your situation with when you were because I, I just want to talk a little bit more about before we talk about the light at the end of the mm-hmm, tunnel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, kind of the situation that you were in, and and because I think it it can it's something that is probably more common than we think, and it's something that I personally have struggled with, where you have maybe a, a savings account that you've built up over time from a young age. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you get up into your uh, you're getting older and you actually have credit cards and you're able to kind of use it to stimulate yourself, mm-hmm. but it can create sort of this uh, bad uh, habits. Yes. So if you, you know, if you wouldn't mind just um, talking a little yeah. bit about your, your story, before we get into the mm-hmm. the goods. <laughs> yeah. So I, I grew up in San Diego. Um, and I, I was raised in a family that was never wealthy or necessarily poor. We were kind of always in the middle. We didn't have enough to splurge on a lot of things, but we never, um, had to worry about uh, a lot of the other things that I know a lot of people out there 
uh, struggle with. Um, and so the, the downside of being raised in a family like that is my parents didn't really do a great job at teaching me how to spend money. They did a good job at teaching me how to save money so that I could do the things I wanted to do. And so through, uh, working summer camps, uh, when, when I was in college working as an internship, um, I was able to build up a good cushion. I wouldn't call it a sizable savings. It was a good cushion. Um, and I kept most of it in my checking account. And it was a checking account through Navy Federal. It wasn't anything special. I wasn't doing anything with it. It was just sitting in that account. I wasn't putting it in savings. I was just building my checking account, which is a very, very dangerous place to be, to have all your money in one spot because it makes it feel like you have more money than you actually do. And so through that, I would look at my checking account balance and I would say, oh, I have... X amount of dollars, I can go out and I can spend a hundred dollars on dinner. Oh, look, I look again. Okay. I have, I have, I have a good cushion. I can go and buy coffee five, five, six times this week or, you know, and what it did was I stopped paying attention to really what the value was as long as it was over a certain amount. So I kind of set this imaginary amount of, I'll just say like 3000, anything over 3000, I was good. So if I had some money coming in from an internship and I had a good savings account, I was good. I can pretty much spend whatever I want. Mm. And that is a super dangerous place to put yourself because you get lax, you stop paying attention and you feel like you're in a better position than you are. And so I went through years of that, especially when I got graduated college and got my first job in engineering. And I was making a paycheck higher than I had ever seen before, almost as high as my parents who've been working for 20 something years. And so <laughs> that, that was uh, shout out to going into engineering. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that also was a dangerous place to be in that I had never seen this much money before in my life. I had no idea what to do with it. And I just went, oh, it's all in my checking account. Uh, I have money for days. Let's go. And when I look back now, when I look at my spreadsheets and tracking, and I know I've cut back expenses because you get aware of what you're spending, you tend to try and spend a little bit less. Mm-hmm. And even now I'm, I'm not struggling, but I know that if I had the, if I continued the way I was continuing, I would have run out of money at some point. There was, mm-hmm. it was definitely not a zero sum game. I was 100% in the red um, hemorrhaging cash. So wow. I, I, that that's, that's the gist of where I was. I, I built up a good savings quote. It was all in my checking account, but I had a good amount of money. And then I just told myself because I have this money, I can stop paying attention. And that was a very dangerous place to put myself in. Yeah, no. And I think it's, it's an easy thing to have happen. And, and I, I think that's what I want the listeners to take away. And you clearly sharing your, your experience. We want you guys to understand that this is a, a very common thing. And both Sean and I have, you know, come together and talked about these various things, mistakes that we've made in the past. And it's, it's okay to make mistakes. I mean, we, we continue to, do this as humans where we can't account for everything. And as there's more and more variables, more and more balls up in the, up in the air, it it just becomes harder and harder to Mm -hmm. really make sure like, Oh my gosh, Sean, you wouldn't, (laughs) you're not going to believe this one. So I, we have a a mortgage, we have a home, which is a, a great blessing here. And, um, last month, November, I was, the closest I've ever been to having a late fee on my, on my mortgage. I, I can't believe it. Like I just busy month, a lot going on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I was like, it was almost middle of the month when I was like, Oh, I got to do that. And and the thing (laughs) is um, the thing that's changed is I've had to switch brokers. We refinanced. And this is probably, this is where the listeners just shut it, shut it off. They don't even want to hear anymore, <laughs> but I had to refinance and we got a great rate, but that meant now I've, I've gone from two, gone to two different brokers. Uh, and that has led to some, it's not as like, I don't even, I 
barely even know who they are. They don't email mm-hmm. me. I get a bill and I'm like, eh. so I may need to look at that one and just be like, I got to get some more notifications going so that I, that doesn't happen again. Um, I mean, normally it's a part of the routine, but for whatever reason with everything that was going on, it was like one month blending together and it's the mm-hmm. holidays and almost made a, I mean, I don't know how much it would have been, but it would, it probably would have been a couple hundred dollars. It would have been, um, it would have been significant in the long run. It, it like that's those, those little fees are the fees that get you in the end. It's just fees in general are the ones that get you no matter what the dollar value is. It's money that you didn't have to pay. That's right. Yep. And I think that's a good way to look at life. Like, again, you can't be perfect. Like I almost made a mistake. It would have been fine. I would have said, oh man. And I probably would have put it, I, it was a narrow, a narrow miss. So now mm-hmm. I still have to remind myself and put, put a couple more alarms up, um, to do that. And, but when you, the more you get up and, and get things like everything associated with your utilities, it's all on different timing. And you just, if everything's hitting at once, I think this last month, it was like trash water, everything was hitting at the <laughs> same time. So I was just, I just missed the the big boy which mm-hmm. would be great. I'd, 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 I'd love to miss the big boy, but. Maybe <laughs> the small step and miss the big one. It's, it's, yeah, it's exactly. I'm like, oh, sweet. I got money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, well, thanks for sharing tonight. Uh, well, that specifically, and we can definitely talk more about our, um, I don't know, as we move forward, some of the practices that we've put in place to, to make it better. Right. Um, and I don't know if that's what this is. It's, it's making it better. No, one's going to ever find the perfect solution. It's about making it better and just doing, doing the best that you can. That's right. And everybody has their way of doing it. Um, I know I kind of grew up in a similar way to you, Sean, uh, where my parents were kind of, you know, we were middle-class and, never really had to think about money necessarily. Um, but from a young age, I think I was encouraged to save. And I shared this story last time on the podcast for nobody, but today I'm going to share it again with, and this is my, this is my favorite story as a young man, but, uh, this kind of goes into probably our first thing that we want to talk about. And it, and it's a very simple principle listeners. And that is a little bit, counts. So every dollar you put away, even if it's just a dollar, it's going to add up in the long run. And so I put this principle to use uh, as a very young man. And I was mowing lawns and doing chores. And I was, I think I was, uh, I think I was around eight years old between, between six and eight, I'll put a, put a little variance there. I can't, can't quite remember the exact age. I just remember the trauma it put me through. So I was a big star Wars fan and all the star Wars had just been reissued. Uh, they came out. Remember when they were really re-released in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just seen the return of the Jedi and remember, uh, uh, Luke Skywalker's lightsaber was the green one. Mm-hmm. And it looks super cool because he like builds it. He comes back to Darth Vader and he's like, I see you have constructed your own lightsaber. Your training is now complete. <laughs> anyway. I feel like you, you, you said you were a Star Wars fan. I feel like you are a Star Wars fan. I don't think that ever goes away for you. John. <laughs> okay. well, thanks, thanks for giving that. Give me a little bit more um, clout on the podcast, Sean. Um, but So anyway, I wanted this lightsaber. This was like the first thing that I really can remember from a young age, walking into Walmart, seeing it on the shelf. I was like, man, I need to get this. So I saved up, took me about a couple months and I come out, Sean, and I'm, I head into the neighborhood. One of the big things back in the day was everybody had lightsabers. So you could go and battle somebody immediately. Mm -hmm. So I ran across the yard, saw this kid and I was like, he's going down. And I come out and I unsheath my green lightsaber and I battle him for two minutes and, and he just whack. And my lightsaber was completely broken. Oh, my first ever 
tears of, of sheer sadness as a, as a young, young man, that, that's not true, but <laughs> man, financial sadness, financial, financial tears. Sadness. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that was a, that was a, a wide awake, uh, a wake up call from, for me as a, you know, you can put all this. And, and I think that's kind of interesting. We didn't, I, I, I kind of want to go into this a little bit tonight, but it's just no. this idea that, you know, how, when you buy a new thing and it, and it has that, it gives you that warm and fuzzy, mm-hmm. but then if you, if something taints it, like if you get a scratch on it, the warm and fuzzies go away immediately. Yeah. Do you it's, ever not get the, that? it's not the same. Well, a hundred percent. I know I've experienced that. Um, it, it's suddenly, it's not the same thing as what it was when it was perfect. Now that it has a, a defect or, or whatever. And it, now you, it's almost seen as less because it's, it's worth less in your mind because it's not the same anymore. Yeah. And so I feel like when we were younger, that was kind of a common thing mm-hmm. where you, you would get something and then, and then it gets scratched or it gets bent or something we were dealing with more paper back then when we were young. So a lot of times my, my stuff would get bent and I'd be like, come on, man. But now it's like, the thing that I found interesting is you can buy something that's, I mean, you kind of hinted at it. Engineering salaries can be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but you buy something really nice, say a toy or something. And it, it's almost like over time I've found the, and this this is another, I think, core principle in my life, but trying to bring the contentment for what you have all the time and being a good steward compared to just buying the next big thing for the show and for the hundred percent. That is one of that. That's, I think the greatest fault, uh, that I struggle with all the time is wanting to just buy the next thing, move on to the next project, buy the next toy, the next tool. And I think I get that from my dad. He's very much the same way. He buys a toy, plays with it, buys a toy, plays with it. And for him, toys are electronics. He's a electronic fiend. And so he buys, we call them toys cause he plays with them, but toys where he, he plays with it, buys the next thing. And, um, that like, I have to actively fight that, as well. I mean, even looking at the podcast, buying the audio equipment and going through that, like that's, that's been a struggle for me of of not wanting to continue just buying and and just going out of control with the the cycle. So I definitely agree. Sean, keep buying. That's uh, you're not going to, you're not going to steer me on this one. Like you you just got to keep getting stuff related to making the content. Great. (laughs) No, no, that's good. I, and yeah, I know. I think I feel the same way. I, I, I think today I'm striving to just look at things for their intended purpose. And if something can do as many of the things that, that are necessary, then that's a great product. And then, and not just getting stuck because there's so many things in the engineering culture that I think me and you both see and have seen regarding fruitless spending. Mm -hmm. And, And it could be either on like, stock market action or, um, you know, various things that you want to do for yourself building, you know, buying the most outrageous PC that'll be outdated in, in, you know, Mm -hmm. next year or thanks NVIDIA. And then, (laughs) (laughs) um, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Just like we do have the money to buy most things if we save our money Mm -hmm. and whether it be a car or, but I think just realizing, Oh no, it's not really about that. If I can just be like, think more about tomorrow and hint, hint, that's what we're going to be talking about as we continue this financial journey, uh, listeners, but think about tomorrow. Think about the savings that you could have going into your late sixties, early seventies compared to the, Oh man, I want this nice thing right now. I got to have the designer boots or, uh, a nice, I don't know, travel bag or something. I mean, I feel like there's always something that REI is trying to get me to get. <laughs> no, oh, all the time. REI is their emails are very enticing. And this is something that plays really well, John, into the the book that I was talking about earlier of the, I will teach you to be rich because the system that he has that I'm currently working on incorporating is a system of investing 
and what he calls guilt-free spending. So the way that he has it set up, and I think it's, it's a little ideal. It's a little too ideal. I think for practicality for me, it doesn't quite work, but he has it set up where a certain percentage, 50 to 60% of his income goes specifically to no more than that specifically goes to uh, staple products. So mortgage, rent, food, uh, power, electricity, internet, the things that you don't have a choice. You have to have those to live the life that you want to live. And that's, that's 50%. That's about 50 to 60%. No more than that. I mean, obviously if you have that less, that's great. Um, but you don't want to have it to be any more than that. And then he goes through the rest of that is I'm going to throw out some random numbers. I don't have the book in front of me, but 10 to 15% is for investing. And then another 10% is for personal savings. And let's say another 10%, 10 to 20% goes into what he calls guilt-free spending. So you have your first priorities from every single paycheck, whether it's a direct deposit or maybe you're a seasonal worker or you're an hourly or um, like my brother, he's an independent contractor. So he has incomes is, or there's a lot of flux in his income. So he sets aside certain percentages for staple products, saving personal savings and investing in your future. And that is automatically, you don't have a choice. Those come out automatically then. And that allows you to live that meets everything you need from food to water to everything. That's everything you need to survive. And then anything that's left over goes into his guilt-free spending. And he says, look, you have already invested in yourself. You've already invested in your future. Take the money and do what you want with it. If you want to go buy a 200 pair of shoes or $200 pair of shoes, go buy a $200 pair of shoes. You want to go buy a uh, $600 laptop, go buy a $600 laptop. It's guilt-free spending money. And what that does is it takes away the shame that we were talking about earlier of spending money. Because when you start getting into the minutia of saving, investing, one of the biggest traps is you become obsessed. Every single penny has to be saved. I'm not spending anything. I'm saving everything. I'm cooking all my meals. I'm doing everything, which works up until a point. And I've, I've tried that and mm-hmm. it failed. It failed miserably because you get too obsessed with it. You stop living your life. And so he breaks it down. This money is it's guilt-free. You want to go out to eat dinner, go out to eat dinner. You want to go out and fly to, to Paris. If that's allowed on your income, fly to Paris and do it. And so that I think is, is part of the, um, trick is yeah. investing in your future first and yourself. So doing personal savings, savings for a house, saving for a ring, saving for a car, whatever it is, invest in yourself first and then spend the money the way you want to spend the money, but always invest in yourself first. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we have similar ideas here. I, I kind of do something called the 50, 30, 20 rule and it's similar, you know, mm-hmm. 20% for is kind of broken up for savings and, and trips or, or travel in the future or potentially more saving. Um, mm-hmm. but you keep kind of keep that a bucket. Then you have your 30% for all the bills and eating out and then 50%. Yeah. is like mortgage and household essential, uh, related things. And, and, you know, everybody's situation is different. Um, you know, I was fortunate to get a, get a house with my wife, which is, which is great. Um, and gives us some flexibility, but obviously there is more potential risk. If, if you buy in a, at a bad time, I, it's, I, it's pretty clear we didn't buy at a bad time, which is great. But, um, yeah, I mean, just having buckets, I mean, just having mm-hmm. buckets that you're putting money into and that you're actively thinking about your retirement. You know, I think, I think some of the things that bother me when I talk to some of my young friends that may even be buying or sorry, not buying, but have a lot of money or have a lot of income and they're still not even set up for their retirement, their end goal or end game, which, you know, we know the compounding effect. If, if you split it up, if you add it, if you add every 10 years, you add on additionally is like, you know, millions of dollars potentially in the end. Mm-hmm. So just because of how compounding works, um, as a principle, and we can talk, we'll talk more about that in, as we get into the, uh, next part of our financial podcast. Oh, but yeah, but tonight buckets, it's a good way to, to split it up and 
Um, I, I think you're right, Sean. It really depends on the, so the guilt-free savings, you know, what, however you want to describe it. And I think mm-hmm. the thing that I want to drive home is it's going to be unique for everybody because I'm the type of guy who literally, and you know me, Sean, I make a sandwich, the same sandwich every day. Maybe I add a different condiment or mm-hmm. a different topping in there, but I just don't care. Like it doesn't bother me. There's nothing about that. That is not satisfying to me. I get up, make my sandwich, part of the routine, get on my bike, ride to the office and, and then go through my day. And some people can't do that. So it's mm-hmm. like, you gotta, you gotta know yourself. You got like my wife, she wouldn't do that. She, she, she can't do that monotonous. I, I can't either. I yeah, can't yeah. either. I, <laughs> I'm with her too. I, I can't have, I usually do the same breakfast, some sort of scrambled egg, um, maybe bacon bits and some cheese, but I'll change even how I do that. I'll make an omelet one day. I'll do scrambled eggs the next day. I'll do, um, like a breakfast sandwich the day after that. So I, I have a little bit more, um, I need a little bit more change in there, but again, that's a great example of everybody's different. And when it comes to investing, saving, and just finances in general, everybody is going to be different. Um, and that's kind of what part of, we'll get to it in a second, John, but I kind of want to interrogate you a little bit about what it's like combining finances, having, because I'm assuming you and your wife didn't come in doing finances the exact same because we've said people do finances differently. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious what it was like for you uh, and in that. But before we get to that, I, I did want to throw out real quick. I wanted to highlight something that you had said earlier is it's not about the amount of money. It's about the fact that you're doing it. And when people get in their head that they want to be rich in order to be rich, you have to have millions of dollars. And that's just not true. A million dollars could be attainable or it could not be attainable, but $999,000, that's still a lot of money. $800,000 is still a lot of money. $400,000 is still a lot of money. It may not be the millions that you, you portray or that people portray, but any money is money. I mean, it's, it's, it's money saved. So if, if you can only, and I'm saying this specifically, cause I know there are probably some people out there who might be listening to this, who are going, look, I can't save for retirement. I can't do $200 a paycheck to save for retirement. You go, yeah, but can you do $15? Can you do $20? Any small amount now, if you want to look into it, you want to look at the amortization calculators. You want to look at the compound interest of what you can have in these accounts. That's a whole separate technical issue. But just thinking, if you make the mental note to put $10 away today and save it and don't spend it, that can start that cycle. So if anybody's out there listening to this going, look, I'm just not able to save money like this for retirement. I don't make enough money or my expenses are too high. One, look at your expenses Two any amount of money saved is money saved. And that, that can start the snowball for you of, of saving money. So that's my little, uh, tidbit of advice, um, for anybody out there. And that's covered in, in that book too, which I, I'm going to mention a lot because it's a very influential book for me, but he also goes through that as well of look, if you can't save $200, can you save $10? That's more than you had yesterday. Well, and I, I like that, Sean, cause I really think one of the things that stood out to me there is I think a lot of times we don't know how, how a lot of money feels to spend, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, take a million dollars, for instance, if you were to break that down uh, and spend a thousand dollars a day, that's still, that's still going to take you over two years to mm-hmm. spend all of that money. If you were spending a thousand dollars a day, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. And nobody's spending a thousand dollars a day unless they have, well, maybe you, maybe you do. And you can talk to us. <laughs> I, I spend a thousand dollars a day on me. I'll take that. That's, that's right. You can send us a tip directly to at how to yeah. hobby podcast. I'll send uh, up a Venmo. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll take, I'll take the 14th of every month. That's, John can take the 26th of every month. We'll be good. That's right. I think, I think we'll, Sean will be on our way to retirement at that point. Um, but yeah, just looking into some of the, there are plenty of illustrations out there that, that show, you know, if if breaking down your income and, and then looking at what you need to retire, I mean, start doing some research, digging in and we will, um, 
kind of talk more again in part two of this financial episode about the retirement side. But Sean, you wanted to hear about the yeah. what's like to combine income. So here I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious what that's like, because I haven't gotten to a point where I'll need I, I haven't gotten married yet. So that's <laughs> that's in there. But I'm curious because watching my parents do it, they had already figured it out by the time I started paying attention to finances. Um, so I'm just curious what it was like for you going through that process. Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I think it's like most things. Um, it's commitment. So you can either do something the long, arduous, hard way by, uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard plenty of different ways of doing this. And, um, you know, for, for instance, me and my wife, just, I was interested in having, uh, being attached to a woman that understood finances and had Mm -hmm. sort of a a head on her shoulders when it came to money and, and, and spending and, and things of that nature. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why I was attracted to my wife. But additionally, um, you know, we had talked to talked about it prior to getting married. And um, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure she was even like coming to me like, oh, when are we going to combine our bank accounts? Nice. So, yeah, I mean, we we pretty much just we did it the 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 one file swoop um, approach, which I personally recommend if mm-hmm. you're if you're getting married, um, because I think it just uncovers a lot. Um, it takes away a lot of the, the mystery behind what somebody, I mean, you hear these horror stories about men, Oh yeah, you know, misleading poor young women or vice versa. But I think most commonly it's, it's men who have like really, really deep misdeeds when it comes to money management. And then they, they get a poor girl to come along and, and marry them simply for their almost like so that they can have a fresh credit asset. It's, I mean, it's pretty messed up, but then that person gets completely ruined because, Mm -hmm. and, and, and so not to scare any, you listeners out there, but I think, um, yeah, just for us combining right away. And we both, I had to switch banks. So I kind of, she was with chase. I was with like, I like, uh, credit unions personally, Um, but it it was fine. It, It worked out fine. Chase's Chase's good. It's just mm-hmm. no bank is really great. Yeah. Um, and that's why we're going to recommend going elsewhere with your money. If you can, the more you can. Um, but yeah, and it, it's been great, man. Just having kind of more open conversation about what is being and, and doing it in like a loving way. You know, I always try to pursue my wife when it comes to budget talks. And, um, I definitely take more of the the lead on it just because it does interest me Mm -hmm. more than probably it interests her. But, um, yeah, like just, we just recently did the, uh, the switch, the switch swap with the credit card offer that was going on for chase. Mm -hmm. You You could, uh, if you signed up for the chase Sapphire preferred, you got a hundred K points. So I referred her and then she accepted my referral. So we got 120 (laughs) K um, for, for, you know, trips. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of money. I mean, over a thousand dollars for flights and that'll be, uh, that'll, you know, again, that's sort of, we'll talk probably another episode on on credit cards (laughs) and points and stuff like that of nature in that nature. But, um, yeah, there's things you can do being married. That's really fun. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, just little things like that to, kind of back, back and forth, right? Like you can downgrade an account and then get, get, you know, get more out of the system. And it's all fair game because plenty of people don't do that and <laughs> they do other things. So uh, it's kind of a fun little, little loophole when you find them. And, uh, but yeah, I, I would just say getting it done fast and furious in the beginning helps. And then moving forward with being on the same playing field without any closed doors, uh, also helps. Cause they're probably sh- in my mind, like marriage is one of those things where there's not many closed doors. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Ideally that's the way it should be, <laughs> but maybe I'm being too, I don't know, single-minded about it. I'm sure there's plenty of ways to do it. Um, but this way has worked for us. So I, th- I think that really plays into the, trying to demystify or 
um, there shouldn't be a stigma. I know there's the right word, destigmatize um, finances and that you, everyone's goal in life should be to get to a point where they're comfortable talking about their finances with somebody. If they ask, whether it's a uh, significant other, or it's a, um, <coughs> it's a, uh, f- a finance, um, employer, uh, or it's a bank and you're trying to get a loan or it's a, a for a mortgage or whatever it is. Everybody's goal, in my opinion, for finances should be to get to a point where they feel no shame and they feel comfortable talking about it and educated enough about their own finances to have that discussion. So Mm -hmm. if you are in a relationship or maybe you haven't started talking about that, or maybe you're, you're single or, um, you know, you're, you're some other (laughs) status complicated, whatever it might be for relationships. I think that, working towards figuring your own finances out will make your partnerships with anybody significantly better because you'll feel comfortable talking about them. Exactly. And I'll tell you, man, when, once you start bringing two, two, uh, or incomes together, it can be quite exciting because immediately you can have, you can double or triple your, your net worth Mm -hmm. right in, in one. And that's kind of exciting about marriage, at least for me, like, when we do our financial, our annually, <clears throat> our annually financial <laughs> review that I put together, um, and we look at how everything is gone and what our assets are, uh, it can be really exciting because you're, mm-hmm. you know, you got all these various things going on, and um, you know, for us, we we have two kids now, so having a sizable emergency fund is a necessity. It's not even it, it's it's a requirement upon mm-hmm. you know being a parent. So you know, continuing to even add to that each and every year and, and, yep. and grow your contingency account. And that's what I want to kind of end out here. This, this part of the financial podcast is, you know, really guys, we, we know that there's probably a lot out of out there that have been going, man, what are they talking about? What is this? And hopefully you've gotten things out of it, but we want to leave you with this, these nuggets, which is tackle your most aggressive loans first. Um, so if you have debt, if you have bad credit card debt, um, all of that is bad, but the ones with the highest interest rates are the worst. So tackle those the most aggressively. Um, and then from there, once you get back to even, even nominal and you're not hemorrhaging, um, start putting away for an emergency fund, because if we've learned anything from the last year and a half, it's that, the value of having even $500 in a given month can be the difference between food on the table or not for Mm -hmm. that month. And so when you have more and more responsibilities, it's easy to live paycheck to paycheck when you're single and you're having fun and yeah, man, San Diego beer is great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or beer anywhere. That's what we need to know. We need to know how many different, countries are listening and what their favorite beer is. So give us, give us a shout. Um, but anyway, Sean, that's, that's something that I think would be nice to leave the listeners with. And I'm sure you have also been, uh, working on a, an emergency fund. You're a big yeah uh, proponent of it. <laughs> I, I most definitely, I think having that emergency fund in there is it's crucial. Um, like, like you said, John, this 2020 and 2021 have been the greatest examples of people needing to make sure they're prepared for when things hit the fan, when, when, when the proverbial, uh, SHIT hits the fan, you know, trying to give this Fiji, but like when, (laughs) when, when that happens, um, if you're not prepared for it, you no longer are in control. And that is what finance is really having a, a good, uh, head on your shoulders and having your finances in check, what it really does is it puts you in the driver's seat. You're mm-hmm. no longer reliant on somebody else. It's not, I have to get this paycheck or I can't survive. It's if my employer decides they're going to be a uh, pain in the butt and they're not going to give me my direct deposit on time, I'm okay. I have funds mm. that I protect myself. I create that, that cushion. So find f- being financially free, makes you free in, in basically every aspect of your life. So like John said, tackle the highest interest rates first, a lot of banks, and this is 
I'm saying this for those who are really serious about getting the credit cards paid off. There are a lot of banks that will do zero interest rate transfers. So you can go from Wells Fargo to Chase and they may transfer you to a credit card that there for the first 12 months will charge 0% interest. So you were being charged 22% interest on a Wells Fargo card and you have 12 months of zero interest with Chase. Now, if that means that in those 12 months, you completely kill your balance, you just saved yourself hundreds and hundreds of dollars in interest fees that you didn't have to pay. Now, if you aren't responsible, you transfer it and you tell yourself, I'm getting 12 front free months of 0%. And then at the end of that, you don't have it paid off. I'm going to bet your interest rate will probably be higher there than it was at your last card, maybe 25%, 26%. So there are techniques out there for tackling credit card debt. So focus on, on credit cards, probably credit cards first, uh, highest interest rate. Um, if you have medical debt, cause that's a place that a lot of people don't really want to talk about. They may have medical debt, call, call the hospitals and, and their finance department and tell them, look, I cannot afford to pay you. I need a reduced rate. I guarantee they'll give you a reduced rate. I've made calls and gotten like 40 to 50% taken off bills just because I called and spent 30 seconds talking to a human. It's possible. Um, Wait, so just like actually they took money off the bill. Yep. Yeah. If you just call and ask and you just say, look, I'm, I'm in a financial hardship right now. I'm struggling. Can I, can I get a reduced bill or go on a payment plan? I guarantee you they'll at least try. And wow, I've heard is, people, woo. I know I've heard That's people get it. like up to like 40 or 50% off their actual what? total medical bills oh. because it's also the trick. If you're getting charged and you ask for an itemized receipt at the hospital, all of a sudden your bill will drop because they don't want you to see that they charged you 4850 for a bandaid. And so you'll, you can usually get them to go down because the medical industry is a complete racket in terms of what you pay for. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to take this go. one, I'm going to take this one uh, to, to heart here. Cause I've been, whew, man, these kids are expensive. I know. I to, I'm telling you, it's like, just, just call and ask. It, it's the, the, the adage with finances is it never hurts to ask. You have an overdraft fee because you missed somebody, an extra payment pulled out of your checking account. Call your bank and ask, can I please have that fee waived? They say, yes, they say, yes, cool. They say, no, oh, well, at least you still have that thing. If you've got mm-hmm. credit card fees, like the one of the Chase cards, my Chase card is a $95 annual fee. You can call and ask to have that waived. They may not waive it for you, but if they do, cool, you just made 95 bucks. So there's there are, there are ways out there to make the most of your money. But um, yeah, yeah, I think to, to, to first step is tackling the highest interest rate first, like John said. That's right. And don't, I'll say this right now, Sean, you're already rich. Uh, I can see it in your eyes. And, and I think for myself, I feel the comfortability of being rich. And it's, it's when you are a good steward and when you do have control of this thing that is, can be a beast and a bear to tackle. That is when you really feel what it is to be rich and content because Mm -hmm. you're not afraid that tomorrow is going to bring you pain and suffering with regards to financial hardship. Um, but I do want to say the additionally on top of this, and this will be our last, this will be our last thing because we've just been making our ways right through and it's great, Sean. But with regards, this is, this brings me to my favorite financial example. And that is when it comes to these little miscellaneous bills that come once a year. So when mm-hmm. it comes to your registration, your credit card bill, your um, not credit, your credit card fee associated with the bill, right? Cause you almost have to think of it listeners as yeah, that credit card is great and it gives you points back. But additionally, you are paying into the privilege of using that. So it's not in my mind, it's like not wrong. It's fair because it's such a bomb. If, if it's used right as a correct tool, then the tool costs money to use. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, with regards to those things, I'll put once, and this is, I think shows the power of the five to $10 a pay period um, savings plan, which is what I call it. I call it the five to $10 a month savings plan, but you take it and you take it, whether you have a list, start with your list of all your reoccurring yearly bills. Don't let them go astray. You know, maybe next week when we come back to you with more financial goodies in part two, um, you guys can have your list of all of your yearly and monthly expenses 
that are recurring because we need to be careful of that ever encroaching subscripturation plateau, which is where you're absolutely bamboozled by how many subscriptions come out of your account every single month. <laughs> Peak subscripturation is what I call it, Sean. Man, I'm pulling out all the terms now, but so you, you see, you have your list of bills. And what I do is I, I have it on my phone. It's as simple as on my Apple note, Sean, and I'll just pull, I'll know you can even put the date if you want to, like when that's going to come in with my chase one, the Sapphire preferred, it just struck. The mm-hmm. bells just struck. Well, you know what? I had that $95 that I'd saved all year and you just take $5 and you move it in your savings. Boom, boom, boom. And sure enough, by the end of the year, you can break it down, whatever you want to do, but it becomes automatic and it's $5 a month. What instead of 95, yeah. it's a no brainer. Yeah. And that was something I, I semi did wish I had done better. So my uh, car registration <laughs> this year in California was 300 and we'll say $314, I think roughly. And now what I should have done was start saving ahead of time. What I didn't do was start saving until I got the bill in the mail of you have five weeks until November 8th, when your registration is due, it's $314. Oh, and by the way, two days later, you're going to be hit with the three-year re-up charge for your security plan on your vehicle. So the alarm, the GPS tracker, all that. So I now have about $500 hitting at the same time in five weeks. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to prep for this. And so I put (laughs) in my, I need to prep for this. this. (laughs) So I put in my Excel tracker. I was like, look, 628, I don't know the exact, 6280 was pulled out every paycheck until the, the paycheck prior to the, the bill being due and same it was 3231 pulled out for my Starlink, my, my Subaru security stuff. So had I started that sooner, I could have done $5 a paycheck and that would have been completely fine. But because I didn't, I started at five weeks prior. I was like, Oh God, I have to pull out a hundred dollars a week for the next five weeks so that I can pay this bill when it hits. So I was lucky enough to be able to plan for it. I just didn't plan far enough ahead. So I, I think starting in 2022, that's where I'm going to start doing the annual subscriptions, paying more attention mm-hmm. to them and setting them aside ahead of time. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a game changer and it helps with the, the shock and awe. And we just bought a new car. Uh, it was used, um, but it, it knew for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just had, that wasn't on my plan. So we just got the, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that one. Um, I forgot to update the new registration cost, mm-hmm. um, but that one just came out. It's not bad though. That's the other key, man, for for us that I've noticed is the older vehicles are less yeah. in registration. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I don't. Do we know what listeners? What is going on? I don't know. I don't get it. My my most frustrating thing, and I'll, I could spin on California forever on on the exorbitant fees here, but I. Cars less than I think six years old don't require smog checks in California. I think it's Mm -hmm. five or six years, whatever it is. But instead of saying, hey, because you have a new vehicle, you don't have to pay for this. They tack on a $20 a year non-smog fee. So I pay an extra $20 on top of my registration because I don't have to get a smog. Wait, you, you never have to get it smogged? No, for the first six years. So oh. for the first six years, you don't have to get your car smogged because it's new enough that they're, the emissions aren't really a concern for them. But every year within those six years, you pay an additional $20 to $40 fee for not having to have that smog. It's super weird to me. I, if you, I'll, I'll show you my bill sometime. I'll break oh it down gosh. for you. Yeah, uh, break but, it down with the, with a glass of whiskey. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but those those unexpected things, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe this is this expensive. Had I prepped for it ahead of time, it wouldn't have been as bad. Well, you you, you got a subi, and that's all that really matters at the end of the day. I know. You are. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, hey. This has been a great episode and we hope you enjoy. I can just say that right now. This has been a great episode, Sean, because I'm so confident in the, the, the content we put down. You've been open and honest. Thank you for your honesty. Um, and I, I just really hope that everybody that's 
taken the time to listen through, especially this far. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. We hope you have an amazing Thanksgiving wherever you are around the world. We do have some world listeners. We've seen you. Thank you. And we uh, we hope that, yeah, we're thankful for you guys. So that's first and foremost, right, Sean? Got to thank yep. the... Yeah, thanks, thanks, to listeners. To, thanks to everybody out there. John and I do this because it's fun. It's, it's a passion, a hobby of ours. It's my favorite part of this is that we can share this with you guys. And it's not just two dudes ranting on <laughs> zoom. I think, I think that's my favorite part is that by recording it, we can, we can share our, uh, our weirdness with, with everybody out there too. And it's cool seeing the viewers start coming from international, uh, getting some international viewers. Um, so shout out to, uh, some of those countries. So again, if you have any comments, you want us to do a shout out. If you just want us to have us say hi on the show, send us a message on Instagram, send us an email, and I will make sure to include that for you. That's right, Sean. Great, great job as always. And we thank you guys for uh, taking the time again. Have a, have a great rest of your time wherever you are. And we will be back with more action packed financial advice as soon as the clock the clock strikes 12, right, Sean? Yep. Yep. Look, look, <laughs> look for future episodes. We're going to, we're going to get into more specifics. We're going to break down some terms, uh, find you some calculators and then kind of go into more in-depth nerdiness over how John and I handle our finances. So I, I look forward to that. And I thank you, John, for, for having me be a part of this. All right, Sean. Talk to you later. Yep. Thanks, John. Thanks guys.